Morning again, guys. Glad you're here today. Thank you guys so much. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 today. If you've got your Bible, starting a brand new series called Joy Matters. And by the way, we've got outlines on the stools. Uh, if you uh, didn't pick one of those up, you can do that uh, afterwards or uh, in the weeks to come. I, I love this book. I love the book of Philippians. It's one of my favorites. And the word joy or rejoice is used 15 times in just four chapters. It's used again and again in this book. Now I want you to think just for a moment, and hopefully it's not the person sitting next to you, so no elbow poking, no ugly looks, but think about the most unhappy, grumpiest person you've ever met in your life. Got it? Hopefully it's not somebody you work with now, but somebody just really grumpy, they're just miserable to be around, and you just don't really like hanging out with these people. Now think about the happiest person on the planet, the guy that you got, or the gal that you just cannot get enough time with, that when you think about them, you smile, when you see them, you smile, you look forward to hanging out with them. Now, if you were going to be stuck on a deserted island for the rest of your life, who would you choose to hang out with? Yeah, the happy guy, the one that's got joy. I've never met anyone, not ever in my life, who says, I want to be depressed and grumpy, thank you very much. Most of us understand the value of joy, but we're going to take a look at it in this book in a way that I hope will change your perspective and encourage you. We need to remember the times we live in that Nehemiah wrote this in Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I uh, watch the news almost every day. I read the paper this morning, and back somewhere at the second or third page in the spokesman review was a story, a small little piece about over 50 people who died in the flood in India. It broke my heart on the one hand that it's got this little, you know, piece in the newspaper because it happens so often and there's so many tragedies that it's now kind of back page news. But we obviously live in times that almost every day, guys, almost every day, something horrible, something tragic, something's happening. And because of the small nature of our world with the electronic access and the media, uh, we hear about it, we're exposed to it all the time. And I, I know the reality of the times we live in. I also know that because of that, it's hard sometimes to have joy. I'm going to remind you throughout this series, time and time again, we're going to be in it for the next couple of months through summer, the summer. I would encourage you to read through Philippians on your own, get familiar with the book. But I'm going to remind you that joy is not based on circumstances. We tend to think that happiness comes from, you know, happy things. That I'm going to have joy and then I need to have all sorts of good things happening in my life. One of the things you're going to hear me say again and again is that joy is not based on circumstances. In fact, joy really isn't that fragile. It's not. Not if we understand it the way the Bible defines joy. Not if we understand the way that God means for us to embrace it and to walk in it. So I think we need more joy. We absolutely do. This letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, uh, it's uh, epistles, in other words, it's used. It's one of many that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he wrote this one about A.D. 61. And uh, what I need you to know, I'm not going to bore you with a lot of history, I promise you, but one of the things you need to know is that Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi while he was under house arrest in Rome. And you think, well, house arrest can't be that bad. No, he was literally chained to a guard 24-7. Literally chained to a man 24-7. Yeah, he wasn't in a dark dungeon in that kind of prison in Rome. He was under house arrest, but he was literally connected by a chain to a prison guard all the time. When you understand that, and you see Paul's focus on joy in this letter, it's even more amazing to me. Now, Paul had established this church in Philippi, which was a major Roman colony, a big major city at the time. He had established it about 10 years before that in AD 51. And you can read that story in Acts chapter 16. In fact, there's your homework assignment. But I want to read about Lydia and about the Philippian jailer. Amazing story. Love it. But it's found in Acts 16, uh, Paul's first encounter with these people and the very first conference uh, uh, of this church at Philippi. 
But without a doubt, what I need you to know is without a doubt, Paul was very close to these people. In fact, closer to them than any other church. They were friends. They were co-laborers in the work of advancing the gospel, the good news. They had worked side by side with him. And a huge reason for the closeness to this church is that they had faithfully partnered with Paul for over 10 years. In fact, I'm going to use a phrase you will not, will not find in the Bible, but it's biblical. They were ministry buddies. They were ministry buddies. They were partners. I use the word buddy because it's a common term. But Paul and the church in Philippi, they were connected in a deep and profound way, and they were buddies. Anybody ever heard of the buddy system before? You know, what that means is you, you're put with at least one other person who's supposed to watch your back. You're going swimming, and you, say, you sign them at camp. Okay, that's your buddy, and no matter what, they're your responsibility. Make sure they come back alive, and make sure you watch out for the other guy. When someone's in a risky or has their situation, or it's something where we're just worried about them getting lost, maybe we assign a buddy. Paul is a buddy to this church, and buddies can save your lives. Uh, years ago, we uh, were in San Diego as part of another church there on staff there. We did a church camp out. Uh, I love the beach. I'm, I grew up about half my life in Southern California. I actually was a surfer and loved surfing. And I didn't bring my board with me to this all-church camp out. But man, we got there. It was right on the beach. The waves were like awesome. And I thought, oh my goodness, I wish I had my board with me. But I did bring my body surfing fins. They're special fins made for body surfing. Then I'm going to go out. I'm going to hit some waves. And my buddy with me, Kyle, I said, well, go together. The waves were huge, way bigger than I should have been out in, way beyond my skill. And they, they were awesome, but they were a little dangerous. And so I'm out there, and we're just catching waves, having a blast. Kyle says, I'm exhausted. I'm going in. A smart guy, not me, would have gone in with Kyle. Would have said, okay, I'm going to go in with you too because we're buddies, and I shouldn't be out here alone. But I kept out there riding the waves. Finally, at one point, I got really exhausted, but uh, a wave hit me. Ever been pounded by a wave in the ocean? The, the power of the ocean is just it's, it's incredible. And until you've really experienced being slammed by a wave to the bottom and rolled along, you really don't understand how powerful the, the ocean is. But that happened to me not just once, but again, I came up, I came up, grabbed you know, some air, and I'm pounded by another wave. The second I pop my head up, just barely enough room to <gasps> grab a, you know, a, a breath of air, another wave pounds me to the ground. I'm rolled again along the bottom. I come up for the third time. At this point, I'm panicking. I'm thinking, I'm going to die. Not kidding. I seriously think... I don't know how much more of this I can take. I'm t exhausted. I can't get wet. And I'm really, really, I mean, I'm panicking. I come up for the third time, grab some air, and I'm thinking, if this happens again, I'm not going to make it. Kyle saw this. And by the point that the third time I popped my head up, he was already on his way to, to come and help me. In fact, Paul, uh, Kyle rescued my life, literally saved my life that day, dragged me back to shore. Buddy system's important. And here's the big idea, something I want you to hear. God wants us to partner together in a community of faith for our spiritual growth and protection because partnership brings joy. God wants you to partner with other people in community, in the church, in the community of faith for here, for your spiritual growth, for your protection, and ultimately because that's where partnership brings joy. Now, for some of you, when I say partnership brings joy, I had a conversation with a guy after the last service. He said, yeah, when you first said that, I thought, ugh. Because some of you have had partners, business partners or relational partners, and it did not bring joy. In fact, just the opposite. And so I know that that phrase, partnership brings joy, may be a challenge for you. But let me make sure you understand from a biblical perspective what partnership means. Because partnership in the Bible is, is fellowship. It's connecting, connecting with people in a meaningful way. In fact, every time you see the word fellowship, which is often used in the New Testament, that word in the Greek is koinonia, 
and it could act just as accurately be uh, translated as partnership. In fact, I like the word better. I grew up in a church with a fellowship hall. Anybody else? Fellowship, what'd you do in the fellowship hall? You fed your face, you ate, you hung out with people. And there's nothing wrong with fellowship halls or the word fellowship, but I like the word partnership so much better because it really describes more of what the word means. And so here's an important definition. Next thing in your outline, partnership is collaboration in a common cause leading to companionship and greater effectiveness. Partnership, fellowship is a collaboration and a common cause. We're in this together and it leads to companionship and greater effectiveness. In fact, someone once said, and I wish I could give you the credit, uh, the guy who said this originally, I don't remember, but he said, we, have, we may not have it all together, but together we have it all. We may not have it all together, and boy, isn't that true, but together we have it all. We're more powerful, better, stronger when we're together. As partners in a community of faith, God wants us connected to each other because we do share a common cause, a common God-given mission and it's to help people find and follow Jesus. It's to help people find and follow Jesus. I've talked about this many, many times at East Point. I will continue to do so, because it's the number one cause that Jesus said he came for. Now, it's not the only thing. We've got five purposes on the wall. There's not the only thing we exist for, but the number one reason why, as Christ followers, God leaves us here, doesn't just take us to heaven when we become Christians, is because we're to partner with him and advancing the kingdom to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what Jesus said his number one mission was, and that's ours. That's what we're all about. And we partner together as a community of faith in this common God-given mission, and it changes us and changes lives. Today, in this passage from Philippians, I want you to see uh, what partnership means. I want you to see what it did for Paul, what it can do for us. And I want you to see the personal benefits from active participation in partnership, in a community of faith, active participation. Now I wish that we always did everything for very selfless reasons. Wouldn't it be cool if we always acted just for the benefit of others? And I think that's a great goal, but I also know humans. I know human nature. And by and large, we do what we wanna do when there's something in it for us. And you know, I wanna just explain to you today that there's some things, the personal benefits that you'll get amazing results of partnering with others in the work of the kingdom. So let's take a look at Philippians 1, verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, there's a partnership. Servants of Christ Jesus, that word servants could be translated slaves. He meant we are in this to do whatever Christ wants. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, the leadership of the church. Verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just insert something here. I love that Paul says grace and peace. You know, he was a missionary to the Gentiles. But he uses a phrase here, when grace was a Gentile greeting, peace was a very Jewish greeting. So Paul, being who he was, reaching all men, all people, all women, all for the sake of the gospel, he says grace and peace, using both a Gentile and a Jewish greeting. He says in verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Here's the first amazing result of partnership. Number one, partnership leads to gratitude that always results in joy. Partnership leads to gratitude that always results in joy. Paul uses some extremely strong words here in verse three. Look at it again. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Paul is really being bold here and he's being clear. 
the nature of his relationship and partnership with these people in Philippi was so amazing that every time he thought of them, it brought a smile to his face. What I need you to know is that kind of joy, that kind of connection doesn't come through surface and shallow relationships. It comes when we have literally meaningfully partnered, connected with other people. It comes as a result of long-term investment in the lives of people around us. It comes as you and I are connected, heart and soul, and a common cause. And again, I talked about our number one common cause is to help people find and follow Jesus. It comes as you fight together in the trenches against a common foe. And by the way, there is an enemy. His name is Satan, and his, his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy, to rip you off of what God has for you. And we share in this common goal together, this, this fighting together in the trenches against a common foe. One of... Uh, the most popular HBO series of all time is called Banner Brothers. I own it, and I've watched it eh, a lot, an awful lot. And it's not because I love war. I actually hate war, and though I honor the veterans and, and recognize the sacrifice, uh, even, you know, ask any, any military person, they'll say, man, war is, is hell. It's horrible. But what I love in this program is you see this group of men who were in the same platoon together, and this band of brothers, this common goal that they shared, this common fight that they shared, and the connection, the bond that it brought. In fact, you see these real-life interviews uh, in the program, in the, in the series of guys that were actually in that platoon, and they say it again and again that it was this common bond that they shared as brothers fighting together. And it was a bond forged in battle as they partnered together in a common cause. There's a bond that you and I can experience, a connection that we have when we understand who the real enemy is and that we fight together for Jesus against a common foe. One of the true and meaningful benefits is this partnership that brings a bond that leads to joy and gratefulness for others. And it's something that I don't think you can develop any other way but in the trenches. It happens when you're in there together. In fact, have you noticed that isolated and lonely people are often very unhappy people? Isolated and lonely people are often very, very unhappy. They're just grumpy. Now, I, it may not be their fault that they're lonely. I'm not making a judgment against you if you feel lonely right now. But my point is, regardless of the reason for your loneliness, loneliness and joy never go hand in hand. Loneliness and joy never go together. But when we have this deeply uh, bond, this deep bond, this deeply connected experience to other people, when that fellowship is really a rea reality and not just a religious word, something we experience, something we know, something we're sharing together, when we truly partner with others, the result is gratitude and the result is joy. Joy is one of the benefits and the byproducts of partnership. Joy comes as we work together, side by side, in the trenches, serving Jesus, doing his work, advancing his mission on the earth. Let's read on. Verse 4. Again, last part of verse 4. I always pray with joy. Verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I love verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul says, because you've partnered with me, I have joy. And in fact, I pray with you, uh, for you with joy. And here's the basis for it. My confidence is that he who began, God, who began this great work in you, will get you where you need to be. He'll complete what he started. The second amazing result of partnership, number two, is that par partnership brings confidence that is based in God. Partnership. Connection, meaningful connection, a, a serving together, this partnership in the kingdom brings confidence that is based in God. Paul knew their hearts. 
of the people in Philippi. He knew their partnership, but most importantly, he knew God's power. And don't miss this. He knew them. He knew what they were like. He knew their love. There was certainly a bond they had. But bigger than that is he knew the power of God. Paul uses this word confident in verse 6, and it's a very strong word, which means that he was fully persuaded, absolutely convinced, no doubt in his mind, that God would get them where they needed to be. And what was the basis for his conviction? It was the fact that Jesus, that Jesus was going to get them and us where we need to be. Being confident this, that God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion. You see, one of the reasons why this brings joy and should bring joy into your life is that God is more committed to you getting where he wants you to be than you are. He knows you. He knows your nature. He knows everything before you were even born. He knew your whole life. It blows our mind, baffles us, but God knows you. And Paul said he's confident of this, not in their abilities, not in their power, but in God's power, confident in God to get them where they needed to be. Have you ever had one of those days where you feel like, man, I am, just, I am such a sucky Christian. I am just horrible. I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get over this. It's never going to happen. We get depressed. We start beating ourselves up. And we lose, you know, our hope. We lose our joy. Here's really good news for all of us, including me. The promise from the, the Scriptures, from the Word, is God will get you there. Now, we can make it hard on God. <laughs> we can... We can resist, we can make it more difficult, but he's never, listen, he is never gonna give up on you. That ought to bring some joy. That no matter what, God's gonna consistently, constantly be working, carving, molding, shaping your character, who you are, to get you where you need to be. Paul says, I am confident, absolutely no doubt in my mind, that God will get you where you need to be. He knew them, he knew their hearts, he knew their love, but most of all, he knew that God could and would do in and through them. Paul's confidence was based on who he knew was at work within them, God the Father. My confidence for you, for our church, is that God will get you and get us where we need to be. You know, just for example, I've worked with Matt for a long time, Pastor Matt. And I know that God is going to complete his work in Matt. By the way, it was his birthday this last week, so you can wish him happy birthday. But I know God's going to get Matt there because I've partnered with him in ministry, because I've worked side by side with him. We've prayed together, we've cried together, we've argued together. I, I know the, the, this man. But more than knowing him, I know God. And I know that God is absolutely committed to getting Matt where he is going to be. And because we've partnered together, I do have this God confidence that God will get him, and you, by the way, where he wants us to be. Now, I don't expect Matt to be perfect. Do you know Matt? I don't expect him to be perfect. He'll make mistakes just like I do. But I know that God who began a good work in him, and listen, in you, in you, he will get you where you need to be. So here's the simple truth. We can have a God confidence as we partner together and invest in each other's lives. I have very little confidence in self-confidence. I know that this kind of runs against the, the, the culture we live in. Walk into Barnes & Noble down by the Valley Mall and you'll see racks whole aisles of books that will help you build your self-confidence. My conviction is self really isn't very trustworthy. I know me, God knows me, and I know my history, and I might be self-confident. I might be able to keep it together for a day or maybe a week. So self-confidence is never something I applaud. What I applaud is God-confidence. There's a huge difference. I believe God will get us there. But it happens as we partner and invest together in the kingdom. That's where we experience, that's where we develop this confidence as we see God working and know that he'll get us, you, exactly where we need to be. Let's move on, verse seven. 
It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending the, uh, confirming the gospel, by the way, as he wrote this, he was literally in chains. All of you share in God's grace with me. I could take a whole hour just talking about that one phrase. All of you share, you partner with me. We're together in this, in God's grace, the favor that God has given to us. All of you share in God's grace with me. Verse eight, and God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a statement of deep love. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This passage just chock full of a whole lot of insight and great stuff, but here's the one thing I wanna zoom in on, the third amazing result of partnership. Number three, partnership leads to heartfelt affection and prayer. Partnership, when we're connected with others, it leads to this deeply felt, heartfelt affection and prayer for others. Godly partnership leads to genuine and heartfelt love. You know, I suppose you can become friends with people for lots of reasons. Maybe you have things in common, maybe you have common experiences, common background, maybe you just seem to click, I don't know, maybe it's just chemistry. There are a lot of reasons why we get to know people and, and feel connected. And sometimes it just happens naturally. But in my life, and as I read the scriptures, and as I've been involved in ministry and watched you know, thousands of others over the years, it's my experience and my conviction that nothing, listen to me, nothing facilitates the develop, development of friendship better than working side by side with someone in an eternal cause. Nothing develops connection better than shoulder to shoulder engagement in something that's bigger than you, that really does matter. God's given me lots of great friends over the years. Yeah, but one of my best buddies is a guy named Kip Jacob. He's a pastor of a church in Portland. And Kip and I, we go back, way back. We actually were on staff together at a church called Faith Center in Eugene, Oregon, back in the 70s, a long time ago. And we prayed together, we worked together, we cried together, we fought together, we went to schools together. We had four youth pastors at that time on staff. The church was just growing like crazy and youth ministry. And they actually let youth pastors on campus and I did Bible studies. And, but we did all sorts of things together. And to this day, the bond that Kip and I share is deep and profound because 40 years ago, we began to shoulder together side by side and work in the kingdom. I mentioned Matt, Brian Alquist, I think he's here somewhere. Brian's another guy that I've been working with him for, man, like 16, 17 years. We literally work together. We've been connected together in ministry for a long, long time. And that's a bond that is lifelong, that will always be there. We experience what God wants us to experience as we are engaged together, working side by side for something that is bigger than us. The partnership that Paul and the church in Philippi shared was because they had a common cause. He says, to advance the gospel, the good news. And that brought them together. And that resulted in a heart full of love from Paul. Why should you and I bother to partner with others? Why should we face the struggle, the challenge of doing so? Why would we invest our time and energy, the time and energy it takes to become connected at a meaningful le level with other people? Well, because one of the most wonderful and rewarding things about it is that there's this deep connection and love that provides more joy than we can experience any other way. Paul had that, and that love was demonstrated by the way in his prayer. Look at verse nine again. He said, and this is my prayer, heartfelt prayer, 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. You see, when you're together in partnership, you're together in prayer. When you're together in partnership, you're together in prayer. It's not a burden to pray for those in the front line of ministry with you. It's never going to be a struggle for you to pray with somebody that you're connected to. In fact, I, I want to be very honest with you, and I, I, I hope you'll hear my heart here. You know, I pray for our church. In general, I pray for our church all the time. In fact, the chair you're sitting in right now, I was down here yesterday afternoon. I was praying almost every Saturday when I'm in town. I'm down here Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and I'm walking through this auditorium. I'm praying. I'm laying hands on these chairs, and I'm praying. And I did the math last night. In the 13 years, uh, these chairs, we've had a lot of these chairs for a long time. In the 13 years that we've been here, and in the 13 years that I've been down here praying, let's just say average it, that's 40 Saturdays that I've been here, probably more than that, times 13 plus years, that means the chair you're sitting in, I've prayed for at least 500 times. Well over 500 times I've laid hands, physically laid hands, on the prayer you're sitting in right now. And I'm not praying for the, the chair. I'm not praying for the medal and the, 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 oh God, please protect this chair. I don't know who's gonna see her tomorrow, but don't let them hurt this chair. That's not my prayer. My prayer is for you. And some of you, I know exactly where you sit. John, you know, the Batistas, they always, John Teresa, they always sit right there. They're always right there. So when I get to that section, I pray, because I know that's, you know, I, I know where you guys sit, many of you. And so when I, I get to that spot, I'm thinking of you because I know that's your chair. <laughs> but I need to be honest with you. The people I pray for the most are the people that are shoulder to shoulder with me in the trenches. They're the people that I have sacrificed with and bled with and cried with and served with. Now, it's not that I love them more. It's not that they're more valuable to me or to God. Don't hear that. What you need to hear, though, it's just the natural result of connection and partnership. The people I work with, the people I serve with, the people I shoulder with, the people that I, I know the best and pray for the most are the people that are the closest to me. And that's true in your life, too. My dear wife, who sits down in the first service, she's in a venture line right now, but uh, nobody prays for me more than my wife. <gasps> she takes my breath away. Nobody prays for me more than this woman. You know why? Because nobody knows I need it more than she does. <laughs> Except for God, nobody knows me more, and nobody knows my, fa my faults and my flaws and my needs and my everything. And she prays for me all the time. But it's not just because we're married, though that's a partnership I, I'm so grateful for. And we've known each other, we're high school sweethearts. It's not just because of that. It's because we are co-laborers in the kingdom. Because we're partners in something way bigger than the both of us. And she prays for me more than anybody, and I pray for her more than anybody. The best way for you to be consistent in your prayer life for others is to become consistent in your partnership with others. Let me say that again. The best way for you to be consistent in your prayer life for people is to become consistent in your partnership with others. The best way to live in confidence that you're being prayed for on a regular basis is to know that you're connected to others in this thing called the kingdom, in this lifelong journey we share together. And here's the deal. Some of you are very aware. You know the value, the need for meaningful connection. You understand partnership really well. I'm proud of you. You readily admit that that's important. You've engaged. You've looked for opportunities. You purposely develop godly relationships and partnerships in your life. Well done. Some of you, however, however and I, I feel like I'm looking at you right now. It's not me. Maybe the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on something. But some of you, you have not yet come to the point where you understand the need that you have 
to be connected. And you have a hard time admitting that you need support and encouragement of others. And frankly, you're the ones I worry the most about. Because the truth is we all, we all need to be connected. All connected to others in a meaningful and godly way. God wants you to partner in a community of faith. And something bigger than you, something eternal, something that's gonna matter. I'm not talking about bowling leagues here. Nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is God wants you to partner with others in something that's gonna outlive and outlast you, something bigger than you. Why? For your spiritual growth, for your protection, and for your joy. That's where we grow. You think, well, I, I, I think I grow better without people. No, you don't. If I could just get away in the desert somewhere and be all alone, just me and Jesus, I'd be a great Christian. No, you wouldn't. You grow in the context of relationships where people tick you off, where they irritate you, where they frustrate you, where it's difficult, where it's challenging. And you grow when they come alongside you in those moments where you're broken and you don't know what to do or what to say, and they lift you up. You grow in those moments where you're being stupid and they kick you in the tush. That's where we grow best, in the context of relationships, meaningful connection with others. Spiritual growth happens, that's where protection happens. Where somebody's got your back and you've got theirs. And it happens when you understand that power of relationship and that's where joy is experienced in your life. Partnership is God's plan. I could take you Old New Testament to dozens and dozens of places where you'll see that partnership is God's plan. But listen to me, and I'm gonna wrap this up. It rarely happens by accident. It rarely happens by accident. You've gotta make an intentional choice to get there. I applaud you for showing up on Sunday morning. Thank you, especially in the middle of summer. Thanks for being here. It's important. This is a part of our community of faith. We engage in worship together and we grow and you're taught and there's, there's instruction and, and, and it's, it's powerful, it's meaningful, it's absolutely important. But you need to take the next step. Some of you have not engaged in anything outside of your little world, your sphere, and God wants you to engage in meaningful connection with the body of Christ in partnership in the kingdom. To come alongside others and to serve. And so let me get very practical. And here's a couple of things you can do. One, you can volunteer here at East Point. We have hundreds of opportunities. You can go to our website, click, pick, serve. There's a banner on the homepage, eastpointchurch.com. And, and click on that, it'll take you a long list of things and it will continue to add to that. Click on things, put your name in there, submit that and somebody will get a hold of you this week saying, hey, you showed interest in this. What can I answer? What can I help? How can I help you get connected? You can volunteer here. We encourage you to volunteer outside of East Point, whether it's life services or a cup of cold water or what we're doing this Saturday. Serve our schools is something that's Matt mentioned. I think we've been doing it at least 10 years, nine or 10 years. And the, yeah, the district was a little slow in getting us to schools. We've got seven schools, and the last count we need about 70 people still to sign up. And there's a table right back there. This coming Saturday, you can serve with others, taking care of people at the schools in our, in our neighborhood, sacrificing your time and energy to just show up, be a part of something, getting connected with others. I wanna be at Progress High School washing windows and pulling weeds. I'd love to connect with you, let's do it together. And then we come back here afterwards and we're gonna have a barbecue. Why? Well, because food is good. <laughs> but because it's another chance for you to get connected, to meet people. If all you do, I love you guys, I'm so glad you're here, but if all you do is show up on Sunday and you sit and listen to a talking head, then you're not experiencing the partnership God wants for you. You need others. You need to serve. And you need one last thing to get plugged into a life group. As you came in today, 
We gave you a life group brochure, the trifold brochure. Big, bold thing on the front says life groups. If you didn't get one, pick them up, they're on the table. And those are the summer groups, all sorts of different ways for you to get involved in a small group. And we're gonna launch a whole bunch more of them this fall. We're gonna do a campaign, a, a series called 50 Days of Transformation. Excited about that. And we're gonna do that and we're gonna host, uh, ask you to host groups that will help you get connected to other people. Get plugged into a life group because it's a great place to establish meaningful relationships. Because this is what I want for you. What Paul said in verse four and five, is what I want to be able to say of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership, your partnership in the gospel. So be a partner, not a loner. That's my bottom line challenge, be a partner. Let me pray for you, bye heads. Jesus, thank you for what I know um, you modeled for us. When you came to earth, you, did, you were not a lone ranger. You selected 12 guys to hang out with, to work with, to partner with, to shoulder with, to, to carry the load with. And you modeled for us from, from your life on planet Earth the need for us to be meaningfully connected with others. And then Jesus, even when you sent the guys out without you being around, you sent them out, not on their own, but two by two. You sent them out in partnership to do the work of the ministry. God, that's still what you do. You call us to a community of faith. You call us to experience life together. You call us to, to work, to shoulder, and partnership together to advance the kingdom, to advance the good news, to advance the cause, which is way bigger than us. And Lord, I, I pray so desperately that you go way beyond my words this morning, my pathetic ability to try to communicate. Would you go way beyond that, Lord, and work in hearts right now Bring conviction where it needs to happen. Bring a confidence where it needs to happen. Bring a God confidence that, that, that would develop and grow in them, that you will get them where they need to be. And then, Lord, help each and every one of us to make the choice, the intentional choice to engage, to commit, to partner, to fellowship, in the truest sense of that word, so that we can experience what you want, so that we can see that fruit of righteousness that Paul refers to in Philippians 1, that we can see the fruit in our lives and the fruit in this city. And that's my prayer, Lord. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as Christ follower. And I've been talking about what it means to partner with others. You think, well, is that part of what it means to be a Christ follower? Uh-huh. But maybe you've been investigating Christianity for a while and, and you're at a point right now, whether you're in this room or watching online, you're ready to say, yeah, God, I... I I need you. I want to surrender my life. I need grace. I need forgiveness. I, I want that free gift that you offer me of grace, mercy, salvation. And if that's you, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. The words are important, but what is most important is your heart. If you're ready to say yes to God, you're ready to make that decision to become a child of God, then just make my words yours. Just own this prayer right now. Father, thanks for sending Jesus for me. I know he came for the world, but I get it today, Jesus, you came for me. And I need grace, I need mercy, I need forgiveness, I need you. Jesus, I want to follow you. So right here, right now, this last Sunday of July, the year 2016, I choose to follow you. I say yes, I surrender my life to you. And I embrace what you offer to me, eternal life. So here and now, I'm yours.
Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for loving me. Now, if that's you and that's your heart, again, your own way to say, yeah, God, that's what I need. That's what I want. And the Bible says that moment we make that decision, it's the first step. It's not the end. It's the first step in a long journey. But it's the first step where you've now become a child of God. You move from, the Bible says, from darkness into light, from the old man into a new, new man, from the old woman into a new woman. You become his this very moment. And you'll leave here changed by that and on a journey that will take you into eternity with him. Lord, thank you for those that have made that decision today. Thank you for those that have chosen you. Thank you, God, for those that have made the decision to be followers of Jesus today. Burn it in their hearts, what that means. And help us partner together with them to grow in this thing called faith. But Lord, help us all leave here today ready to say yes to you, to follow you, and to partner together in this journey. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish one last song. Uh, I love this song. Let's make a declaration of our faith, our love for him. And I'll come back and wrap it up. Listen, if you need prayer today, the prayer team will be down front. There's communion available on both sides of the room. If you missed the uh, opportunity to put a prayer request, you're offering the black boxes are on the wall. You can pick those up. Uh, if you began your life as Christ follower today, tell somebody. We want to partner with you. Come tell me. Come tell Pastor Matt. We want to in- engage this journey with you. And then on the tables, by the doors, there's a gift bag. It's got a Bible, some material you starting to walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up as well. And sign up for the next First Steps class is coming. But here's my heart for you. I pray that you'll understand the value of partnership. I pray that a whole bunch of you will stop by the table before you leave today. Sign up to help us this Saturday, SOS. Get engaged, get connected. But I, I really want you to leave here today understanding that God has a plan for you and it involves others partnering in the kingdom of God. Next week, we're gonna take a look at the joy of struggle. That'll be fun, I promise. Uh, but we do find, we can, because joy is not based on our circumstances. We can find joy even in the midst of struggle. Thanks so much again for being here. God bless you guys. I love you. See you next week.